Welcome to Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. Today's show, we have Father Jim Mason back in the studio. He's going to be here to tell us uh, his story of his call to the priesthood. Uh, It's really good. I didn't know he was so funny. Um, Some stuff I think he said off camera, so I'm not sure what's all in there. I don't remember, but there was some good stuff in there. Great story. Um, If you have not had a lot of um, experience with Father Mason, he's just a a great guy to hang out with and, and converse with. So hope you'll join us for that. First, we have to converse with another great guy. Wow. Oh, oh, oh. See, I was nice. That was so nice. Yes. We have Dr. Chris Bergwald here for Biblical Bites with Dr. B. So today is the 25th Sunday in order. Yes. Renee, so I just saved you from that because I didn't want to. Well, it was only like a minute ago, so I, I probably know. could have remembered. But your memory, as we know. Uh, <laughs> so the, um, remember a couple weeks ago, the second reading a couple weeks ago, was from Philemon. Oh yeah. Which that's the only time on Sundays. Right. Because it's You're like, who's this reading. Philemon guy? <laughs> right. And so the second reading, as we've discussed more than once, is a semi-continuous reading of a different letter of the New Testament. Right. Usually Paul's letters, but some any of the other um, non-gospel writings of the New Testament is typically what we get in the second reading. So after Philemon, um, the church gives us for a few weeks um, portions of St. Paul's first letter to St. Timothy. Okay. Uh, so I want to focus this week on the what we hear at, in the second reading from Mass, which is from Second Timothy, First uh, Timothy, chapter two, verses one through eight. So Paul writes to Timothy, first, beloved, first of all, I ask that supplications, prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be offered for everyone, for kings, and for all in authority, that we may lead, lead a quiet and tranquil life in all devotion and dignity. I'm going to say more if we have time. Okay. It depends uh, on how this conversation goes, Renee, about Uh-oh. that. <laughs> Paul tells us, so he's telling, telling Timothy, but this is inspired. So this is the, God saying to all of us, I ask that supplications, prayers, petitions, and thanksgivings be op- So thanksgivings, by the way, uh, Eucharistine or Eucharistone. So the Eucharist. Oh, so sure, yeah. There could be an argument to, to offer mass Sure. For everyone, for kings and all in authority. So this is where, you know, what, what do you never talk about uh, at uh, Tur- over Turkey at Thanksgiving? Oh, we never talk about politics or religion, or religion right? right? Well, we just mix the two of them fact, right here. <laughs> in fact, uh, throughout, uh, for Christianity, in a way, they go together. Not in a theocratic kind of way, right, right. but in the sense of our faith should impact everything mm-hmm. that we do. Yep. Because our faith uh, is about all of reality, right. including the life of politics. Right. Now, Paul's not telling Timothy, quote unquote, how to vote here or something, right. uh, although he may. Uh, Maybe in certain he should. Sense, right, right. <laughs> uh, but the, the thing that Paul is, is telling Timothy and God is telling through Paul, not just Timothy, but all of us, to opt for supplications, prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving for everyone, including kings and all in authority. Mm-hmm. So we are supposed to pray for those who are in authority. Now, depending which authority figure we're talking about, whether it's your city councilman or your school board or your mayor or your senators or governor mm-hmm. or president or whatever, um, that might be easier or harder, but that, that it doesn't matter whether it's easier right. We're supposed to pray for them. Mm-hmm. Do we do that? So I think that's the thing that I, I want to underline, highlight, mm-hmm. first of all, to pray for those who have political authority and not just that they get with it, but for their well-being. Right, right. 
Yeah, we always do that in mass during the petitions. Uh, well, most, most parishes do. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, I guess now that you say that, I don't know that I've ever, or at least very often, ever done that on my own. Yeah, so we're, and because of the role that they have in in common life, mm-hmm. in public life, I think it's especially important for us to pray um, for those who are in authority. But so that's okay. point number one. Point number two. So this is good and pleasing to God, our Savior, who wills everyone to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. Mm-hmm. So right after we get this, um, Paul tells us, so this is good and pleasing to God, our Savior. Why? Because he wills that everyone be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. Mm-hmm. So this is where I think... We, <laughs> God wants everyone to be, God has a universal will of salvation. Right. He desires that, his intention is that, now, whatever ends up happening, God desire, God's desire is that everyone would be with him for eternity. Right. So often, again, it's in political life, but just in life in general, we kind of get into the whole black hats and good hats kind of thing, us versus right. them, right. our tribe against their tribe, Vikings versus Packers, right? <laughs> um, but God wants everyone to be saved. Right. So is my, what, what's, my, what's the disposition of my heart towards people who disagree with me, who in fact might have objectively evil views on mm-hmm. issues of the day mm-hmm. or issues in period. Somebody who holds maybe in fact horrendous views. Right. Let's let's go back in history. Like like 20th century, it's easy to pick on, if you will, your Hitlers and your Stalins and mm-hmm. your your Maos. Right. But God desires, desired, desires the salvation of everyone, including right. Adolf Hitler right. and Joseph Stalin and Saddam Hussein mm-hmm. and Osama bin Laden. Right. Right. So we just recently celebrated the 21st anniversary of 9 11, mm-hmm. um, which of course was orchestrated by terrorist mastermind Osama bin Laden. So somebody who we as Americans would definitely put a black hat, if you will, mm-hmm. on him. And yet God desires the salvation of Osama bin Laden just as much as he desires the salvation right. of you and me. Right. And and frankly, he could have he could have actually been converted, and we don't know that. Right. Yet. Exactly. Yeah. Until we So I think that's the other thing. Just to remember that God desires the salvation of everyone, so to pray for everyone. Yeah. That's a really good reminder. Thanks a lot, Dr. B. You bet. In the studio with me again is Father Jim Mason. Welcome back. It's good to be back. We Thanks. were like, it was like five minutes ago. We just wrapped up. <laughs> <That's all. laughs> we're recording two episodes at once, and we wanted to get Father Mason's um, vocation story because it's one that I do not know, and you've been in the diocese a while, and I wanted, I'm sure there's lots of people who are like, I have no idea how he came to this. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm giving it tomorrow at the uh, That's right. Holy Spirit men's group. Yes, now. I think you are. So some people will know this before it gets on right, the radio. Right. <laughs> um, so Father Mason is currently the uh, pastor at Holy Spirit Parish in Sioux Falls and the um, vicar for clergy mm-hmm. for the diocese. What does a vicar for clergy do? Great question. I'll let you know uh, <laughs> when I figure that one out. No, it basically assists the bishop in with, with any priests that are, you know, would be more comfortable coming to another brother oh, priest. Sure. And so, so things like that. Rather than their boss. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Which the bishop is for them. Mm-hmm. So, okay, great. So we're going to learn about how you came to this, but will you first uh, tell us a bit about your family, where you grew up? 
Sure. So I was born in uh, Philadelphia area, but we lived in New Jersey. Okay. Uh, five sisters, two brothers. I'm number six. Okay. And in uh, about 1972, we moved to uh, White Bear Lake, Minnesota. My dad okay. was with an engineer with USS Steel, and the steel industry was kind of going down, and so he went with 3M and moved on to a lake on White Bear on White oh. Bear Lake, which was where phenomenal. is that Minnesota? Just north of St. Paul. Okay. Yeah, and so. You know, grew up there. I remember in second grade, they uh, the second grade teacher put my sister Sue was in fourth, and I in speech impediment, and then put us. We're gonna lower us a grade, and then they met my mom, and they realized we we had Jersey accents. <laughs> they had not experienced what a Jersey accent is, so they were able to change that, and and I was able to stay in second grade. I was gonna say I hear no accent from you. I never would have guessed you, you were from, from my the folks East Coast. a little bit. Okay. Maybe my older sisters, but sometimes it comes out. Like, somebody I was because I, I speak fast. Yes. That's the, there was a guy who was doing a funeral. He said, "Are you from Philly?" And I said, "Yeah, that's where you know." He said, "Yeah, I can tell." So there is a you know, <laughs> Father Fitzpatrick, kind of a crazy story at his ordination. I was talking to his dad. He's from Philly, and it sounds oh. really familiar. And I, and then I looked at his dad, and his dad said, "Well, my wife, Father Fitzpatrick's mom, dated a George Mason." I said, "That's my uncle." <laughs> and then my dad came over, and they used to play basketball together. Oh my goodness! So both, yeah, just crazy coincidence there. You you think that only happens in South Dakota? Well, no, and it right. did happen in South Dakota, right. but it was someplace, someplace else. Someplace else. So. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so you went to school in Minnesota and grew up there for the most part. The most part, yeah. So I was, uh, you know, grade school, uh, Catholic school, St. Pius the Tenth, and then Hill Murray for two years, and then. Um, and sophomore year, my dad came home and said, we're either going to move to, there's a 3M plant in Brookings that he was going to run, mm-hmm. or we were going to move to Milan, Italy. So it's pretty similar. <laughs> and we ended up going with, with Milan, Italy, and he, he, you know, ran some things there. And Did so, you really? I thought you were going to tell me you came to Brookings instead no, of Milan. No. I was like, oh no, my gosh. <laughs> no, we were in Milan. And so my uh, junior year in the American school of Milan, my senior year at Notre Dame International, which it was a boarding school, mm-hmm. Catholic boarding school. And, you know, my... Um, High school graduation was at the North American College at the seminary. Okay. And so, okay. and no one would say like in 12 years, that's the one that's going to be back here studying for the priesthood. That was not, that was they were not like, don't even radar. look at that guy. Right, right, right. That was not. So I, then I went to Villanova for a year and then St. Thomas and graduated okay. from St. Thomas and then University of Minnesota Law School. And, and that's you know, on the vocation side of it, in college, I, I had my freshman year kind of a, a type of conversion experience to Christ. Just, you know, a friend had gone evangelical and he'd give me a book, More Than a Carpenter, and I was by myself reading it, kind of searching, still doing stuff that, you know, a young man would be, you know, living that kind of party life and all of that kind of right. stuff. But then just saying, is Jesus real? And and I just experienced that depth. and But not connecting it so much to my Catholic faith. But it was interesting that spring break at Villanova, you know, I would have gone to Daytona if I had the money. I right. didn't, but I lived in a homeless shelter with Franciscans. Oh. And I just started you know, there. And then when I went to St. Thomas, you know, St. Paul's Outreach, got connected with that group of really, you know, young men and women that were authentically living their Catholic faith. Right, right. So at that time too, I decided that if I was going to live this faith, I should know it. So I, I read the Bible and catechism, mm-hmm. both, you know, mm-hmm. and just started to understand and, and see the truth in it. Right. So you and were so, Catholic. Yeah. You grew up Catholic. Grew up, but, yeah, yeah, definitely. Sunday, yeah. you know, everything, all of that, you know, uh, in Catholic schools and, you know, but, you know, I wouldn't have been the best practicing Catholic. Right. But, but yeah. You like know, most of us at right, that right. time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, it was, I, I had an idea of faith, but it was more just an idea that if, you know, if there was a firing squad, I would say, I believe in Jesus. But <laughs> if you'd looked at my life, it probably wouldn't have reflected that. Right, right. So that connecting my life to that, sure. that reality. So you uh, went to school for 
be a lawyer? Well, yeah, I started, you know, I was a poli-sci history major, and then I, I worked uh, after, after graduation uh, at a law firm before law school. And then I went to Juarez in El Paso and did mission work. And all through college, I was dating a woman that everyone thought we would, we would marry, and she's mm -hmm. a great Catholic woman. But there was just something at that time in my heart of hearts that I was not supposed to. I was supposed to do something else. And it was it was the call. I remember at one point we were in a summer, you know, in Grand Avenue in St. Paul, summer block party thing. And there was a tent revival. And I was sitting by myself. And this, you know, either Baptist or Pentecostal preacher came up to me. And he said, you know, he didn't say it aloud. He just said it to me. He said, you're called to the royal priesthood. And then he kind of walked away. And my girlfriend came over and said, what did he say? And I said, nothing. You know, I was just like, <laughs> what? That's crazy. He didn't know I was Catholic. And right. He, and he wasn't Catholic. And he wasn't Catholic. That's all so, crazy. you know, it was there, but it was just so not on the radar. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I was confused. So when you're confused, most people then go to law school. So that's what I did. I went to University of Minnesota Law School. I didn't know you were this funny. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then there, you know, I reflected on my time with the Jesuit priest in Juarez and, uh, and pursued the priesthood, but they, they didn't give me the best advice because I was also dating another gal and there's like, continue that. Well, that's not really compatible with, <laughs> right. so, but that, uh, and upon graduation, I'd been accepted in the Jesuits and I was really importantly too, I was living, I was renting the basement from Bishop Carlson. Oh, okay. So he'd have grad students where you would do the snow shoveling, cut the yard, take care of the yard, take care of the dogs. He had two dogs for, you know, for cheap rent. And then we'd have mass at morning prayer, mass every morning. And so I was living there and upon graduation of law school, it became really clear that I wasn't supposed to enter. And I oh. didn't know why. Um, and so it I had didn't. to be very confusing. It was, it yeah. was, there was a part of me that was saying, okay, it's God's time, not my time. And then, you know, just providentially, cause I'd missed all the interviews, you know, so I needed to find a job. And this judge, Ann Simonette, she was newly appointed. Um, she had her master's in piano and then she went to Harvard law mm -hmm. and just brilliant uh, jurist. And she hired me to be her, her law clerk, which was, you know, an excellent experience. And, yep. Once again, started dating another Catholic woman. Mm -hmm. And these are all, you know, for a year, year and a half. And um, then uh, after clerking, I was offered a job to be a prosecutor at St. Louis Park okay. and, and also did defense work. And so all the while thinking that's going to be the answer that the jobs, that wasn't. So then Bishop Carlson said, would you come down to Sioux Falls and be uh, director of Catholic Charities, legal counsel and lobbyist for the church? Oh, wow. Okay. And so I made that move and ended that relationship and just thought, okay, I'll be in South Dakota. I was 28 doing what I would think in was very fulfilling work, Right, you know, up in pier and all these things, but it just didn't go away. And so it got to a point where there was a, a Jesuit, Father Joe Sheehan, really holy Jesuit. And uh, Bishop Carlson wanted me to go to direction. And I knew he would read my soul like a cheap novel. So I, <laughs> I, I went to a very intelligent priest and we talked about intellectual matters. And, <laughs> I was going to say, you avoided that, didn't oh, you? Oh, <laughs> I did. I was not ready. And then, you know, I was starting another relationship and I just realized this is not fair. This is not right. And I, I need to go in the seminary. Right. And so I went to a, uh, a blind Jesuit, Father Larry Gillick, literally blind, not, you know, blind another way. Right, but right. He was very holy. <laughs> and he, um, after three days, he said, you know, you're called, you know, you're called into the seminary, but you can't get ordained until you find joy. Because I was, oh. I didn't want to surrender a, a wife or family or all of that. Right. You know, just, so I, I went to the North American College and, and it was about two years into it. And, you know, I would pray and I'd often get this image of a, of a sword battle, but like a Braveheart battle. And okay. that's, our family's kind of wired that way. We we're, we're kind of fighters and that kind of stuff. So I kind of enjoyed that. And then finally I was just so tired and I was just so tired that in the image I was in small chapel by myself. And I just, I heard like the, 
the clanking of the sword as I dropped it. And I just had this phenomenal peace. Oh, wow. And I was finally, because I was fighting God. Right. And I didn't realize that. You were, is that Job who's yeah, fighting God? Yeah, 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 just fighting God. Yeah. And I just, I just uh, well, Job too, that's the fear of the Lord when he puts his hand over his mouth and yes. he shuts up, you know. Um, Gabriel, you know, yeah. So, um, yeah, so so that began then just this acceptance and, and it really, you know, was was a wonderful gift then mm-hmm. to enter, fully enter formation. Yeah, that's, that's really an amazing story. So you were really older. I was 30. When, yeah. So I was 34 when I was ordained, but I was 30 okay. when I entered. Okay. And you had already gone to school. So then it doesn't take as long because well, you just have to do the theology yeah, there's parts. A, I was, uh, we wouldn't do this today, but I did theology <laughs> in the morning and philosophy in the afternoon and, uh, and, then some, and some Greek and Latin too on the side. So that's not going to be done today. Overachiever. No. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> just like get it done. Yeah. You're like, I'm too old to wait around. I right, got to do this right, thing. Uh, right. So it was not the, the wisest path, but those years living with Bishop Carlson were years of formation. Sure, sure. Right. So you had known Bishop Carlson in Minnesota, right? Because he I, came from there, right? Right. So my uh, both of my uh, roommates, one was uh, engineer and the other was a nursing major. They were graduate. They were moving on. So I needed, and then some people had I'd not met him, and we went over and met him, and said, "Oh, this will this will work out fine right. for my last year of law school." Right. Or right. We became very good friends. Yeah. Yeah. I never got to meet Bishop Carlson. So okay. uh, maybe I will yeah. at some point. <laughs> he was here about two weeks ago for the Carmelites. 25th. Uh, I know he's been around the diocese, right. but he has not been in the building. So I right. haven't gotten a meeting. Yet. So, um, okay. So was there, uh, you actually said there was some fear and hesitation. Oh yeah. Uh, what did your family think? Uh, and, you know, um, on the first time around, one of my dad's best friend was a priest and, and pro- a very good priest, but she probably struggled with some loneliness. And so, with the Jesuit side of it. And my parents were always supportive because they have eight kids. They have 25 grandchildren, <laughs> but they always saw me as uh, I'm the, I'm the uncle that loves playing with the kids that loves family, you know, that is family. Right. So they were supportive, but a little hesitant. And then they um, met Bishop Carlson mm-hmm. and he, he, he came on family vacations with us and, and he would be over and they saw the joy right. that he really had. Right. And so then they really became the biggest supporters because yeah. of that joy. Yeah. That's good. And then knowing that it's about, it's about fulfillment. Right. right, right. If you just joined us, uh, we are talking to Father Jim Mason about his call to the priesthood. Um, <clears throat> okay, so is there anything you, okay, what year were you ordained? 2001. Okay, so it. Ha- I mean, it's been a while, but it hasn't been that long. Is there anything that stands out? I mean, it hasn't been like you were ordained yeah. in the 70s or no, something. No, right, right, right. <laughs> um, is there anything that stands out from your ordination? Wow. Yeah. So this was good. It was hot. There was no air conditioning in the cathedral and it was hot and there were six of us. And, um, I was beginning to faint and I was going down, down, no. down and Bishop Carlson noticed it. And father Tom Ryan, who was not a subtle MC and kind of a large priest. And they just picked me up. They put me on a chair and they gave me water, but they continued. It was all during the lay of the hand. So <laughs> nothing stopped. And then, you know, I was getting ordained whether I was conscious or not. And so he, he was, so, so, that, so I finally had water and, you know, and I, I recovered. So Wow, that's I have not seen that because, of course, um, in communications we do the vi- right. the recording, and I haven't seen anybody go down yet. So yeah. I might have to go back and see if we have that somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if we would. Yeah. <laughs> we probably don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Darn. Um, <clears throat> okay, uh, what has been your favorite part of being oh, well, a priest? I mean, it's always going to be it's it's always going to be the sacraments, particularly the Eucharist and confession, mm-hmm. because they're the, they're the greatest privilege. Right. Um, and 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 then obviously the the how. People invite you into, uh, you know, their depths and to be Christ within that. You know, it's it's humbling, but that to know that He works in that and right. see that. You know, that that our call is to bring 
Christ and no one else. Right. And so even in my fallenness, you know, that's, that's an understanding that even in my fallenness, he still works through that. So I can say, you know, Lord, make up for where I lack or Lord redeem. But, um, that's, that's a great gift. Yeah. Yeah. Did you find it difficult to adjust to priesthood once you came, once you were ordained? Yeah, because, um, you know, in the seminary, it's not the priesthood. And, and so you've got everything there as far as camaraderie, schedule, mm-hmm. everything. And so you really do have to learn how to schedule yourself. And, and an odd thing at the North American College, like on Sunday masses, we're at like 11 a.m., all right? That's not your typical Sunday no. for a priest, just <laughs> no. FYI. You know, you're not going out on Saturday <laughs> night, you know, typical thing. So that, and then even understanding like your day off, you learn, you know what, I, I need to plan for that. I need to be able to call, you know, a buddy up and, and have some plans. And for the first number of years, my sister, Trisha, and her husband, Tom, they moved to Sioux Falls when I was ordained oh. and they had four kids and, you know, and here. And so that was awesome, you know, because I was, but then when they left, I had to realize, okay, I, I need a, a healthy routine. And sometimes right. it's maybe like around eight o'clock walking my dog, Gemma, and praying a rosary. Right. Making a phone call, just understanding, because most of your life is fairly, honestly, busy. And but yeah. then there can be about till eight or nine o'clock at night. And Father King and I had a great relationship where mm-hmm. you know we'd put on sport that he wouldn't understand, but we would just talk, <laughs> right. right? And it was always that, and we do that with Father Zach when we can. Yeah, yeah, good. Uh, what's been the most challenging? Um, you know, there's there's people, but but that's an enemy. <laughs> that's not, yeah, 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 and, and, yeah. There's, there's people, and there's my own fallenness. So. You know, that's, I call it living in the tension. Sure. So what that is, is um, the way things supposed to be versus the way they are. Right. And I have to, I have to be able to freely live in that just as Jesus did, you know, particularly on the cross and, and to love in that. So to live in that, that tension, like, especially because you desire the good for maybe this couple, but they're nowhere near that. Right. And then to be able to hold on to the standards, you know, speaking the truth in love yeah. and saying, listen, um, I know you want to do this or say, but, but, you know, like Cardinal George said it well, he said, Hey, all are welcome, but not on your terms. Right. So you can come into my house, but don't move the furniture around. Right. And, and we have our <laughs> teachings and they're from Jesus. Right. And you might not like them or appreciate them. God bless you. But you know, that's, this is, this is who we are, whether right. it's a parish or a school. Right. I've heard you talk about that living in the tension and I can't remember where it was. Uh, cause you haven't been a Holy Spirit that long. And I don't think you've mentioned that yet, mm-hmm. but, um, can you speak a little bit more about that, like for the regular person? Like, well, how do we do that? Right. So, I, I mean, for the regular person, because everyone has that, is there's a great uh, marriage preparation phrase I use, which is I say the two couple that the were there, and I say, um, unrealistic expectations is premeditated resentment. Oh. Unrealistic expectations is premeditated resentment. Well, she should really know this. Why isn't he doing that? Right. And if you took a step back, because he's a knucklehead and he's not, and that hasn't changed, and, right. you know, and, or, you know, this or that. Right. And it doesn't mean you're a minimalist, but you live in an awareness. And so that tension of my own expectations of others and of God and, and, and then being able to say, okay, but that's not taking into account my own sinfulness, the world's sinfulness. And, and, and it's, it's a, I have to learn how to pray in that. Right. It's Gethsemane. Father, let this cup pass from my lips, but not my will, your will be done. And it's usually personal issues. It's always, you know, some type of thing. But have I prayed and have I invited Jesus into it? Right. Because Jesus was not like a doormat. That That is not, no. and he was not like Malibu Jesus, like peace, or, love, or whatever. Or yeah, a teddy bear Jesus. Or, or teddy says, bear Jesus. Or, yeah, you know, Bergwald says. He, yeah, he constantly was saying hard things with love. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that people don't want to hear that. Right. And yet that that's Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so on to a little more fun thing. Mm-hmm. 
you have any interesting hobbies? Wow, that was a question. I, you know, maybe not. I don't know in the You're sense say, that- You're going to say, nope. Nope. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like to read. I, I like to, uh, you know, I run. I've ruptured both my Achilles. So I've limited, <laughs> you know, some sports and stuff. Because uh. if something's worth doing, it's worth overdoing uh, in but- my family. <laughs> and so, uh, but, you know, I, I'm looking for- Praying about getting a dog again. This is my first year of priesthood without a dog. Oh, really? And so yeah, and so I've had three, and uh, but I, you know, what that looks like, I don't know yet. So yeah, I loved running with my dog. Yeah, and, you know, we had that path at Broom Tree. Well, I, I built a path like that at the seminary. It was oh. about one point eight miles with tall grass. We had forty five acres. Mm-hmm. So just those types of things, I really enjoyed. When you say built a path, is this like you mowed it? They mowed it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the company wanted to charge like 45 grand and I just said, no, I think we can just mow a path. We can just mow a mow path. path. It'll be all fine. Right. And it was fine. And actually the, you know, the neighbor, the neighborhood used it. It's like a dog oh, park, sure. you know, yeah. which is fine. I was fine with that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know uh, Father Morgan used to have a dog at Holy Spirit, so I think you can probably do it. No, my second dog, Bella, she was an alpha female and Rudy used to get out of his car when he came to Broomtree. He would lay down on himself and pee on himself and, and Bella would just, just, she ruled the roost. She was so Rudy was, was Father Morgan's dog. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that was his Wasn't associate. His asso- I'm just kidding. Well, that's probably true too. <laughs> You're going to have to edit this, aren't you? <laughs> probably. Sorry, Father yeah. Morgan. That's all Father Mason. I did not do that. <laughs> okay. So, um. If a young man came to you and mm-hmm. said, I'm maybe thinking about uh, going to seminary, mm-hmm. or I would think I may be getting called a priesthood, what would you tell him? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where it begins is, okay, let's talk about what you're experiencing in prayer, talk about the sense, and then let's go visit, because you have to discern in reality. Right. And so then I have an experience of, oh, this is what it's like. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just... Uh, un, you know, kind of an unfiltered imagination, which is fine, but you want to see what's that like. So you want to visit the seminary right? and then talk to seminarians. And then, and then, you know, what does my prayer life look like? Mm-hmm. You know, before you enter the Marines, you should be able to do at least 20 pushups maybe, you know, so you want to have some <laughs> yeah. sense and then not be intimidated when you go and you realize, oh, it's a real structured it is, but all those guys, you know, it's a, it can be a little bit of a rocky start as you get used to it, but that's, it's really good. And and I think many of the young are seeking that yeah. purpose and meaning and some yes. discipline. And so that type of thing. And then not, and then stop discerning when you get in Oh, for at least a year or two, just let yourself uh, enter into it. And because the, these guys are looking over their shoulder constantly. Am I mm-hmm. cold? Am I cold? Well, you can't discern in that. Like, Boy, if you met a girl and you're like from day one, or I'm going to marry her, I'm going to marry her, I'm going to marry her. No, that's crazy. <laughs> you'd be, oh my gosh, yeah, you'd, you'd be a mess. Crazy. You'd yeah. be a mess. So just chill out, you know, discipline life and then pray and let the Lord lead you in it. Right. Because right. it's going to be, if he calls you out, it's for something. Right. Not against. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we, in the, in the diocese, especially the lay people, those in your parish, those who know you, how can we help you be the best priest you can be? Um, yeah, can, first and foremost, to pray for me, for pray for our priests. You know, I, I really super honor of giving the homily at Father Ken Bain's uh, oh, funeral man. mass, and he was such a holy priest, and and he suffered physically a ton, and he right. was offering that for priests. So, so praying for your priests, having an understanding of of their humanity, but also you know calling them to to, to more in in a good, healthy way, right? In particular, in, in the spiritual life. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that that's a good point because I think a lot of times. You know, we were probably put here to challenge priests mm-hmm. <laughs> to yeah. a degree. Well, just as your children and, and, yeah. and your life and your family life, that's not obstacles. That's that's how we love, and yeah. it's not easy. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Father Mason, for coming in and telling us your story. I really appreciate it. And we're looking forward to uh, more years of you being back in the diocese. Thanks. Great to be so, here. Thanks for that. You bet. Thank you. 
All right. Uh, you can always find us at our website at sfcatholic.org. If you need to check on anything for the diocese, uh, mass times, um, what's going on in the area. That's it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic.